Welcome, Kimberly. Oh, I love it. <laughs> hey, Brad, how are you doing, my brother? I am awesome. How are you? Just trying to bring a little joy into your life, my friend. We could all use it right about now. That is so true. It is so true. Thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for that. That's a perfect way. It's funny. I did this amazing introduction for you, and then I looked up, and I realized I hadn't clicked live. So uh, for everybody who's tuning in now, um, hey, this is the joys of the, of the technical culture that we're in. As Kimberly, they want to know about me, they can call the police. They'll know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> At least we hope that they won't, right? So Kimberly is the author of Inspired Organizational Cultures. She focuses on what I just said was she focuses on we, what we engineering types call the touchy-feely crap. And so um, I love that because... You know, I actually, I didn't actually mention this to Kimberly. I actually have a background in IT engineering prior to going into the marketing arena and things like that. So when she, when she talks about her background as a physicist, I, my nerd radar goes nuts, um, <laughs> but we're not going to be talking about physics today, generally speaking. Um, so yes. And as you can tell, Kimberly is an enormous amount of fun. She and I have had an amazing conversation well before this show. And we, I know this is going to be a fun episode today and it's already started off fun because I've already screwed up the go live button. You know, so. Brent, I, I tell you what, I don't like to have fun, but I'm a scientist. And according to research, when you are having fun, you are 300% more creative. So we have to do it. It's, it's based on data. That's so true. And I see, there you go for all my, all my engineering types. There you go. 300% more creative. How important is that to you? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so Kimberly, just if you don't mind, I mean, uh, education as a physicist, you've, you specialize in helping with project management, with organizational culture. Obviously, you see the data behind bringing fun. Um, to me, you are unique, in my opinion, in all the great ways, because I mean, I just it's such a joy to have you on, honest to God, because we've had a conversation before and I love that conversation. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you're at now. All right, I'll give you the two-minute version of my life. I was born in rural Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, rural. I'm talking, you know, deer hunting out of our backyard and things like that. And my dad was a welder. My brothers are welders. Since I was a girl, I couldn't be a welder. So I'm like, I'm getting out of here. And I joined the U.S. Air Force the day I turned 18. Wow. And I wanted to go to college, right? But back then, now you don't waste money sending a girl to college. She's just going to get married and have kids. <laughs> so God bless my dad. You know, we had a few run-ins over that one. And so then I, I got into the Air Force. I learned to repair electronics. I got my GI Bill. I got out and I took every cent they would give me to get my bachelor's degree in chemistry and physics. I got a scholarship to go to graduate school for physics, got a master's in physics. Then I got a job at Hewlett-Packard because uh, they needed people who are like systems thinkers and physics is about systems thinking, right? Yeah. It's not like trying to solve a problem. I mean, I love engineers and they're trying to fix things and make things work, but physicists are trying to understand the system of the universe and all of reality. Yes. And uh, so I tend to expand the scope of things to the point of obviously diminishing returns. <laughs> so, so 10 years at HP, I worked in seven different jobs, you know, mostly product development, program management, manufacturing, reliability, R&D. And I realized, oh my God, I didn't develop any human skills. So I had to learn, you know, how to communicate and work in a team and lead. And so um, I took all kinds of classes, 
my boss used to joke around, are you going to get a PhD in this? <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, HP was just for me too boring because it was nice, all this job stability. Here I am in Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, we're talking about failure and startups and entrepreneurship, right? So I um, quit HP and I joined three failed startup companies, one after the other. 1999, 2000, 2001, dot-com bust. <laughs> my God, we all lost our jobs. My last company was called Group Fire. We were fired as a group. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, why don't I start my consulting business in the worst possible economy since the 80s? Yeah, great idea. So, <laughs> so I've been consulting ever since uh, January 31st, 2001. And it's been a wild ride and happy to talk more about that later. That is so awesome. So, you know, what's funny is Kimberly, you and I think so much like, cause I am the systems person. Um, that was one of my specialties when I was in engineering, I used to do network engineering. And, um, it's funny because I kind of, I guess I mirrored your journey, um, at 18, rather than going to college and rather than figuring things out, I went into a sales job and had to figure out the, the people skills thing that was completely outside of my personality. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I hate this. Let me go into engineering for a while. And I did that for a while. And then I was like, you know, I kind of miss people. So now I'm back in sales and marketing. So it's, <laughs> it's insanity. Um, but tell me, uh, you know, now you specialize in helping with organizational cultures and project management, which to me is like the yin and yang of what you just described. And I love it. Um, so tell me a little bit about your specialization in, in organizational cultures and how you okay. kind of came into that. All right. So. I was doing all these workshops, mostly with Japanese companies since 2007. I somehow got hooked up with Japanese companies and I've been working with them, um, going to Japan and all over the world for globalizing Japanese companies. Because if you are a Japanese company, you want to expand your revenue, increase your sales, you can't do that inside of Japan. The economy is flat, population is shrinking. You got to go global and you've got to hire crazy non-Japanese people like me and learn to work with us. So uh, I started doing all these workshops on leadership, team effectiveness, and um, project management and communication. Then I get in touch with this wonderful guy, Dr. Edgar Schein. He was like 90 years old when I met him. Dr. Edgar Schein is the guy who invented the term organizational culture. And I met him at this event and I was telling him about my work with Japanese and he was fascinated because he was also working with Japanese. We started having lunch together and I said, oh, I wish I could be your graduate student. <clears throat> he said, well, Kimberly, you can pay me to have lunch with you. I'm like, all right, done. So <laughs> I paid Dr. Shine for like three years. Every month, about two hours, we had lunch together. And he helped me understand that everything, everything I was doing was really about strengthening and shifting the organization's culture. I had never put it in that terms. I didn't think of myself that way. But that is what he helped me understand. What is organizational culture? It's the stories we tell. When you hire a new person, it's the stories you tell the new person, whether good or bad. It's it's the way things are done around here, you know, the unwritten rules. And yeah. I was helping people make those conscious and make conscious choices about it. Yeah, I love that. So obviously the stories we're telling today are very different than they were. We'll, we'll even go back as far as 18 to 24 months ago, uh, depending on what kind of time frame you want to look at. Um, so, you know, I guess I'm just going to, we're going to jump in head first here because I, I, that's just how I roll with things. All right. Um, 
what are the things that you're seeing that are changing now that we're in this pandemic environment, we're in this virtual slash hybrid slash we don't know what the next six months are going to look like. What are the things that you're seeing when it comes to how organizations are handling their cultures and what, what are some, you know, view, for, views from the expert, if you will? Well, it's so funny because last March, everything was stopped and everybody was like, well, we'll just wait till this is over. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, we'll see how that's going to work out. Four, I, four to six weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and I actually studied, um, I studied a course called the great courses uh, about the black plague. All right. And so I knew that the black plague came and went for over 200 years, every 10 or 20 years. And I'm like, nah, this ain't going away in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, we have better tools to fight it. So what I did at first in April and May was I said to some of my big clients, hey, pandemic pricing, free. Why don't we get together some uh, alumni who graduated from our programs and just bring them together and say, hey, how are you doing? What's going on? Yeah. So we did that for a while. But here's the one thing that happened. A lot of my clients, they're, they're all over the world, but in Japan, they can actually get a laptop that does not have a camera. <laughs> there are people who said, Kimberly, I wasn't allowed to work from home. Now I'm forced to work from home. And they're sitting in the laundry room with a sheet covering up all the clothes that are hanging behind them. And uh, also the Japanese have this thing called a little stamp that you stamp on documents. And you have to go into the office risking your life to stamp a piece of paper for an invoice. <laughs> so wow. you can imagine. So Japan was a little bit behind, in my opinion, from an IT standpoint. But not only Japan, many other companies had to make 10 years of progress in 10 months. Yeah. In the IT world. Yeah. So with that, with that shift, that those 10 years of progress, how do we, what has the impact been on the culture itself, like within the organization? So, okay. So I'll, I'll start with the story. So one of the guys I talked to and I've worked with for many years, He's a president of a division, a president of a big division. And he calls me and says, Kimberly, I don't know how to lead my people. I used to walk through the office and through the production plant. And now I can't, you know, do my management by wandering around. And I said, seriously, seriously, do you eat lunch every day? Yeah. Well, why don't you get on Zoom every day and say, hey, I'm having lunch. Who wants to hang out? Why don't you? have a virtual happy hour every Friday. Why don't you send them all five bucks and tell them buy whatever beer you want. See you at 5 PM. Yeah. And, and here they're like, Oh, I never thought of that. Right. Cause like <laughs> Brett, I on May, March 18th, 2020, I started a virtual happy hour with my mother and some friends and I am still doing it to this day. Here it is over a year later. That's every awesome. day. Yeah. Okay. And to be, and we play puzzles online. We tell jokes, we swear, you know, sometimes, <laughs> um, but the, the fact is sometimes it's not all that happy. It's the zoom of doom and gloom, you know, yeah. you talk about all the bad stuff happening. I'm like, people are lonely. People are, are anxious. People are fearful and they're not going to go and tell their boss that, you know, yeah. big strong men and women professionals go go to their boss and say, I'm stressed out and I'm feeling lonely and isolated, but they are. Yeah. We need to find ways to engage and connect. And yeah. you got to use your imagination. I mean, some of my clients have uh, sent little gift boxes to everybody's home and said, hey, open this box together. We'll have a little party. 
<laughs> nice. Out jumps a live ferret. I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Zoom that I want to be a part of. <laughs> yes. Party kit, and it's like full of things like this. Yeah. Yes, I love it. I love it. So that's, I think that one of the things that I've seen um, and in having conversations with a lot of leaders, especially in the sales arena, because like you're talking about 18 months ago, the majority of sales cultures was at the very least, you had a weekly sales meeting where everybody pulled together and you could have those one-on-one -on -one conversations. And that's what a lot of, you know, a lot of our, our listeners are doing is they're trying to figure out how to adjust this. But one of the biggest things that I know has been a, a stumbling block is during the pandemic, obviously everybody's become more remote and therefore more open to frankly turnover within their own company. Um, and so these leaders are bringing on new salespeople or, or just new employees across the board. And they're often completely bewildered as to how do I integrate this person into our culture? How do I make sure that I'm doing my part as a leader um, to show these people culture, the culture of our company and, and help pull them into it. Um, I'd love to hear your, your take on that. Well, I, in my opinion, I don't think people did a good job before the pandemic. That's the truth. In and onboarding <laughs> them. Like maybe true, maybe you get them to sit in a room and have a couple of executives come in and talk. But what I've found really works. If you're entering a new organization, you as the new person have a great deal of control. You say to your manager, hey, I want to make sure I get connected to the key stakeholders that I need to know. Who should I talk to? And then you get your manager to hook you up for the first few conversations. And all you do is say, hey, help me out. What's working? What's not working? What's missing here? How can I contribute? And you listen, listen, listen for like 10 minutes longer than you can stand it until you want to dig your heart out with a rusty spoon because it's so painful. You know, <laughs> listening like yes. in one mouth. And people are so happy to be listened to. They will talk for a long time. They will tell you all kinds of things you need to know. Then you ask them at the end, who else should I be talking to? If I really want to do a good job here, who else should I talk to? Yeah. And you do that and you get yourself 10, 20, 30, 50 people that you speak with in the yeah. organization. Now they know who you are. You've listened to them, which is like giving oxygen to a drowning person. And now you have a better idea how to hook in. Now, as a manager, you can also provide a mentor. You can also provide some other kind of access to resources that would be helpful. But I think that's the best way to get up to speed and to build your internal network is to interview people, ask them what's working, what's not working, what's missing, how might I contribute to the goals of this organization, and who else can I talk to? I love that. I love that. There's a good system to work. Um, <laughs> so let's look at this from a, from another perspective. I know one of the things that several leaders I've had conversations with, and I'm sure you've run into this as well, is they were there. They've spent the past few years prior to the pandemic saying, you know, we've got a good culture here. We've got a good culture here. And what they meant was we have these KPIs that we're measuring and we're performing. So we have a good culture. We must have a good culture. <laughs> we're growing as a company. We must have a good culture. And now this pandemic's happened and the human factor has begun to play a much larger piece. And so many executives have been smacked in the face with, Hey, guess what? Your culture sucks. <laughs> and so it's, let, let's, let's just serve this up on this cold dish. Your, your culture sucks. And so now what are you going to do about it? So from your perspective, I'm sure you've, you've helped people almost from the ground up build cultures that, 
are the right kind of cultures. What are some tips maybe that you can give some executives that are in this, that have just had this cold dish of, of culture served to them? How, where can they start and how can they start to build that, especially remotely? Well, I think first we need to look at what is the main contributor and the main indicator of a poor organization's culture. And that is the voluntary turnover. Mm-hmm. Like what percentage of your people quit every year? Now you don't want it to be zero, but like one of my clients had 22% of their people quitting and they were doing business in 110 different countries, a huge global company. Can you imagine losing 22% of your people every year? That's incredible. Now, well, how did we, it's crazy. <laughs> and now, and um, Gallup has done research for decades on what makes employees engaged. They come to work and they really care. And then there's not engaged, come to work for the paycheck. Then there's actively disengaged, working against their own company. Now, if if you want people to be completely engaged at work, you need to have a great direct manager because the number one cause of low employee engagement is the direct manager. So there's one company where we had 22% voluntary turnover. <laughs> we... For 16 times over seven years, we did a little three-day class on how not to be a boss hole. That was pretty much it. I mean, I didn't even call it that officially. But was I like, think you should make an official course oh, called that. Oh. <laughs> it's like, look, at, there's a difference between managing and leading. I ask people all over the world, who likes to be managed? Nobody raises their hand, Brett. Yeah. So, lead people, manage cows. So help them be a leader. And then the difference between a group of people and a real team and how to communicate, how to use common sense, which is not common practice, uh, project management techniques. So there's that's just the basic. That's just the spurting aorta problem, yeah. right? Now, if you can fix that so that you don't have boss holes managing your organization, then you can start to do something about culture. Now, one of our other huge clients, I'm not going to say the name, but it's giant. You would know the name. We have been doing for the last seven years a story-based approach to helping them build and strengthen and pivot their culture. Power of stories. You know, Chip and Dan Heath uh, wrote a book called Made to Stick long ago. Yep. Talked to you about how stories really stick in people's brains. So three kinds of stories. Stories from the past. Hey, here's how our founder started this company. Here's how he carried this uh, piano across the mountaintop on his back to Tokyo to to see if it was going to be okay. And it was rejected and he had to carry it back and fix it and carry it back again, right? Learn from the past and take some pride in the history of the organization. Yeah. So people, it's kind of your DNA, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to, if you have a certain kind of DNA, you're not going to suddenly switch to completely different business. But you got to respect that you come from some roots, the roots yeah. of your greatness. So then the next one is stories from the present. We always talk about values. Oh, yeah, here's our values. They're hanging on the wall somewhere. Completely meaningless and cynicism inducing. Yes. So instead, you want to ask people, tell me a story about somebody at their highest and best who is living this value. And let's spread those stories. Because whatever we acknowledge and notice We'll get bigger. Yes. So we do stories from the present. And also, I like the dark side here. Let me go to the dark side here. (laughs) I also asked them, tell me some stories where you would fire your best salesperson. Best salesperson that they're gone because this is non-negotiable violation of our values. 
Yeah. And then the last one is stories from the future, aspirational. So you sit there and say, okay, suppose you're at your retirement party. <clears throat> what do you want people to say about you? What do you want people to be telling the stories from the future? Like, do you want them to say, yeah, Brett was extremely adequate and he did a less than suboptimal job? <laughs> or, or do you want to have some better thing? And so people come up with amazing stories from the future. We make a collage because the left brain is always shouting and it's like, shut up. Let's just work with some images and let the other parts of our brain speak. Yeah. So we silently make a collage together of here's the fabulous future we want to create. Then I get them to make a newscast. Here we are reporting from the year 2030. Millions of people tuning in all over the world, waiting and eager for the news from this company. Woohoo! Then they go ahead and tell this news from the future, how they've solved problems, made breakthroughs, transformed planet Earth for the better, and made tons of money doing it. <laughs> so that's that's my approach to story-based organizational culture. So with that story-based organizational culture, because we are now in such a virtual isolation world and we, you know, we can work, I guess you could say at the micro, I, I don't even want to call it the micro level, I guess the individual contributor and the, and the managed, the small managed team level to affect that culture. How do we infuse these stories into the, I guess you could say the everyday life of our employees? Yeah. Well, one of the clients I work with, and this is a 10,000 person company that does business in 40 countries, every one of their meetings before the pandemic, every one of their meetings started with a safety moment because they're manufacturing. And right. so for the first two to five minutes, they would talk about some safety issue or safety concern or a, a near miss. So everybody knew that safety is the cornerstone of everything we do. And how do you know that? Because every meeting all over planet Earth starts with a safety moment. Yeah. Now, I started suggesting them, how wouldn't it be cool if leadership was just as important? Or maybe our organization's culture was just as important. I mean, I love safety, okay? Don't get me wrong. I don't want to see another plant explosion. I'm just saying maybe every Monday could be leadership day. Every Tuesday yes. could be team effectiveness. Maybe Wednesday could be organizational culture day. Maybe Thursday could be imagining ourselves after the pandemic at the post-pandemic celebration. And one of the other things that I've encouraged people to do, and, and I have done this for my family, I create a pandemic memories scrapbook. So out on Google Sheets, Google Slides, I have this huge, now hundreds of slides from all of our virtual happy hours, all the puzzles we build, some of the kooky, wear your lampshade to the happy hour nights and all. And we have collected pictures, poems, jokes, activities. And we keep saying, hey, you guys, when this is over, we're going to all go to a beach house together for two weeks. We're going to sit there and enjoy time, a real vacation. And we're going to look at this memory scrapbook and we're going to laugh our butts off and say, thank goodness it's not happening now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to those days myself. I'll be honest. <laughs> I may come join you on whatever beach you're on yeah, just to, on. You're to look at your own. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important to give people, give people hope for the future, right? People can live with a lot of suffering if they have hope, but once hope is gone, nothing really matters. So I'm always about thrust yourself into the fabulous future. Imagine it so you can see it, feel it, feel it hear it, taste it. What does it sound like? So you can keep people focusing on that North star 
Otherwise, if yeah. they just look, you know, they're driving down the road looking at the windshield wipers, they're going to freak out. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And that's uh, that's where, you know, as we're we're starting to approach the um, the end of the show here, one of the things that I, I keep seeing here is it seems like you really focus in on a balance of, and I guess it's exactly what we started with, the human factor plus building systems into your processes to account for the human factor. Beautiful. Is that a, is that an accurate representation? Let's add one more. Let's call it the three P's triangle. There is product and technology. We all know that's important to the yeah. company. And then there is process, you know, just enough process to optimize results, not a drop more because that's bureaucracy, but not a drop less because that's inefficient. Yeah. And then there's the people. So product process and people brought together in harmony to support the results that we are committed to achieving right on. I love that. I love that. Um, so like I said, as we're starting to come towards the, the half hour mark here, um, how can people begin to interact with you, Kimberly? Cause you know, we're, we're in this phase where soon, hypothetically speaking, somebody might be starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel, you know, proverbially, depending on what, you know, the next several weeks to months hold. Um, and we're going to start seeing things like people being coming back into the workforce and work places in various forms, and it's going to look different. Um, but as we're going into that, I know there's so many companies that for lack of a better term, we're on pins and needles. <laughs> like we're just, we're not sure what, how can we make this look? How can we make this work? People are still anxious on both sides. There are, some are anxious to get back into the workplace to get out of their laundry room and some are anxious from going into the workplace. <laughs> so tell me, tell me how people can begin to reach out to you. Where can they find you and how can they potentially engage you if they want help in navigating this crazy, these crazy circumstances going forward? Well, I think that we are headed towards a hybrid workplace. We are not going back to normal. There's the new normal. Even yeah. some of the big companies in downtown Tokyo have given up half of their office space. And they said, well, our people don't need to commute four hours a day to come to this office. Obviously not. Yeah. So there is going to be a hybrid future. I think uh, the best thing to do is to acknowledge that. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm always happy to do a prototype or a conversation for what I call pandemic pricing free. Come on. I'm happy <laughs> to do it. We'll, we'll bring some rubber chickens and some <laughs> Well, like expand, expand your thinking. <laughs> um, you know, it's not for everybody. Some people think it's too playful. I was actually last month accused of forcing people to have fun. <laughs> One group of IT executives, and I'm like, okay, sorry about that. You know, <laughs> but if you if you do want a dose of Kimberly, and there is no cure, and there is no vaccine coming for that, Brett. Out, I'm the only Kimberly Weepling on the internet. If you can spell my name right, even if you spell it wrong, you might still get to my website. Uh, check it out. Send me an email. Send me a text or just drop by my house. You know, I have an outdoor patio. I've been entertaining outside in a risk managed way for the last year. That's incredible. So for those of you who would later, I know will be tuning in via podcast or just listening to the audio of this, um, Kimberly's website will be on all the show notes, but it is Kimberly W I E F L I N G.com. Um, so make sure to check her out, check out her website there and reach out to her, um, follow her on social media, especially on LinkedIn. Cause you're going to get some good stuff. And then you've got the scrappy project management book. Yes. Yeah. The first book I wrote with 2007 scrappy project management, it's 
basic common sense, which needs to be common practice. It's a lot of fun. It's a two and a half hour read, or you can listen for free on audio. I think they have it on YouTube on audiobooks. But feel free to uh, pick up this book or send me a request to uh, discuss with you. I'm looking forward to it, Brett, because this is not the time to focus only on profit. As you know, as a salesperson, this is the time to focus on building relationships, yes. building trust and psychological safety with people. The profit will come as a consequence of doing the right things right now. So true. If you listen, if there's nothing else that you all take from this, right there you go. The profit will come as a consequence of doing the right things right now. God, I couldn't have put that better myself. That's amazing, Kimberly. Thank you for that. <laughs> so if you'll hang out for just a second, Kimberly, I'll go ahead and close this out again. Um, for you, those of you who have not already um, checked out Kimberly's stuff, go to Kimberly Weifling or Weifling.com. Um, I keep trying to mispronounce her name. She's going to get me for it. But KimberlyWeebling.com. Um, we will have that in all the comments and on all the show notes. And obviously, we know that going into whatever this new normal is, this hybrid normal that we're going into, there's going to be some massive, massive changes. Um, so help each other out with this. You know, if you're tuning in right, right now live, make sure to like and share this post so that more people can get this message and understand the value of their culture as we're going forward. Because if they don't understand it at this point, they're in major trouble. Um, so make sure to check out Kimberly's website and I'll make sure all that stuff is in the, in the show notes from there. Um, with that, we will be live again this Thursday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. We will be live with Angela Mayer. She is, a, she is a specialist when it comes to adult education and how you can move your business forward with that. So I look forward to having you on there. And lastly, before we go, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Um, there is no question we would not and could not do this show without you. Uh, we genuinely appreciate your support and your willingness to spend some time with us. And we hope that as we continue forward with this show, our goal is just to continue to give you the tools as leaders to lead your business, your company, and your teams into whatever this new great unknown is. And with that, I look forward to talking to you next time. And until then, I'm just here to remind you, either give value 